At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly, B21. Occasionally, people will show up in our office thinking that we have a, sh a shop, and, uh, and they, you know they're <laughs> ready. To, they're the ready elevator. to go. The eighth floor, they're ready to go. I mean, there and is a hair salon in our building, so that's it's an honest mistake. <laughs> <laughs> that's Amanda Hesser and Meryl Stubbs, co-founders of our company, Food Fifty Two, and they're recounting the history of the Food Fifty Two shop, which does exist but only in digital form on our site. I asked them to come on this week because we're closing in on our shop's third birthday. I'm Kenzie Wilbur, this is Burnt Toast, and today we'll recount those three years, the things we've learned, the mistakes we've made, and the shipping disasters so large they warranted their own names. Internally, anyway. But we'll start at the beginning. Even if you do know we have a shop, you might not know that products have been on our site since its inception in 2009. Although back then, they weren't for sale. They appeared as recommendations from Amanda and Merrill, things they loved and used in their own kitchens and homes. We really wanted to build trust. We wanted for people to understand that we're giving you kind of a feel for our sensibility and the kinds of products that we care about. And we were really uh, wanted to make sure that people saw that it wasn't just like obvious food and kitchen products, but sort of more the, the sort of broader notion of kitchen and home. So that was toddling. Next came what they refer to as the cruising phase. The cruising phase was when we used a third-party platform to source products and allow our audience to buy these products and for us to develop re relationships with makers and, and really understand what people wanted to spend money on, what kinds of products they would look to us for. I mean, in some ways, I, I kind of look back and feel like, it was a little bit of a dark period in terms of user experience. I mean, people had to work so hard and it was frankly so unpleasant to to go through the process of buying something that it was like you almost wanted to like cheer them on at the end and just be like, you did it. You did it. I'm being persistent. You, you know, the whole, the whole thing with with commerce online is your goal is to reduce friction at every single point. And with that platform, we were basically creating friction at, at, at every, every step. Single point. <laughs> yeah, it was really like heavy lifting to buy from us. But, you know, I think that like when you're building a company and you have limited funds and you don't want to take a big risky bet, like you, you have to kind of deal with what's available. This dark period Amanda is referring to was basically like a voucher system. People were buying a coupon to redeem somewhere else. And yet people did. And they bought everything from, like, imported sardines to $3,000 trips to Italy. And that's a big commitment. But even though you had to be really committed to get through all those steps, something was working. It was actually ended up being this 
powerful indicator that, in fact, there was something here. And it gave us the time to get to know our customers, really understand the needs of makers and merchants. And then we were ready to make this thing bigger, to make a native shopping experience a real part of food52.com. Do you remember how you felt the day we launched? I mean, I, I remember that first day we, I think, I know I was just the idea of someone actually making a first purchase just seemed so surreal until it happened. It came through late that morning. The first product we ever sold was a super sexy set of seven ounce canning jars purchased by a one Jason Levy. Jason, you're a celebrity in our office. I mean, when it did come through, I mean, there were there were huge cheers throughout the office. I think everyone was pretty on edge until until it happened. Yeah. When you build something like that, it's many. I mean, well, this was years in the making. Right. But it was many months of intense, very focused work on like building the functionality, um, hoping that we thought of everything, you know, figuring out what is our aesthetic going to be and how will it relate to you know, what we do throughout the rest of the site. We want to bring all of these things together, whether you're reading a story, then products that would be relevant to that, or if you're looking at a product, we should be showing you all the amazing content that is, like, interesting to you that's relevant to that product. Um, and we remember we, we were at the final stages of design, like, very close to launch, and we had, a like, a, a review with uh, the whole team. And uh, finally, somebody had the guts to raise their hand and say, like, I'm not seeing the connection. This just feels like a shop. And I, there are lots of shops. And we've been talking about this promise to, like, really integrate these two things. And I'm not I'm not feeling it. And it was very – it was so great. Um, it was a heart-sinking moment. Yeah. But it was so good. Like I we, remember that. that. We it, was all, about, it was about a week before it. launch, right? Yeah. It was mm-hmm. like, yeah, we, yep. were, we were ready to go. And it's the kind of thing where, like, <laughs> making those kinds of changes at that it, – it, it kind of like it was a, it was a page it throws everything into yeah. chaos, right? Um, but it you have to um, do those things, and it's so. Uh, I mean, I'm so grateful to the person who like had the guts to like throw that out there because I think we'd all been feeling it, but none of us were willing to like admit it. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beat in cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hard-working hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. So we pivoted, as you do, and we learned and adjusted, and we've come a really long way. That day, on August 6, 2013, we launched the shop with 80 products. We now have over 2,400. We're integrating content with products in a better way, and we have better systems in place for almost everything, including how an actual product makes it onto the pages of our website. For those of you who don't know, here's a quick crash course. So first, our buyers, Christina and Jojo, see something they love out in the world— Or they dream up a new product they want to work with a maker to create. They contact the maker. The maker sends a sample or a prototype our way. Then it goes into product review. If we all love it, and only then, it gets a close-up in our photo studio and copy gets written to tell its story. Then it goes up on the site. But if all of that sounds seamless, it's not. Take, for example, the time we thought it would be a smart idea to sell fresh turkeys for Thanksgiving, three months into having our own shop. It's a time that's remembered fondly by the name Turkey Gate. 
Thanksgiving was approaching, and we um, decided that it would be uh, vital, <laughs> not just important, but vital for us to be selling <laughs> heritage turkeys. So we sourced some from a farm in New Jersey, I believe. Mm-hmm. So wh- I think the, the, tur- the turkeys went out. They shipped out on Monday. And they were ske- scheduled to arrive Tuesday, I believe, um, with the idea that, you know, some people want to brine. They want to have prep time. And I think that we, ha- we had quite a number. I mean, for our first year, I think we had something like 85 orders. Yeah. And 84 turkeys arrived blissfully on time. Safe and sound. Safe and sound. And um, one um, did not arrive. And this customer was in Florida. And I think that the truck, the UPS truck broke down. Well, it turned out, yeah, the UPS truck broke down on the side of the road and and another UPS truck came. They transferred everything into the new running UPS truck, except the turkey didn't make it (laughs) on the transfer. So so like on the side of a highway, this poor turkey is is just sitting languishing (laughs) in a truck. Hopefully someone found it. Or an alligator, perhaps. (laughs) (laughs) So so this took five people on our team to sort out. At this point, we were like, oh, well, of course, we can just call the farm and have them like, you know, get a get another turkey there. Um, that wasn't going to happen because all the turkeys were caught, were spoken, uh, for. spoken for. And then we were like, well, we'll just source another heritage turkey. Well, like it was like every heritage turkey farm in America had no more turkeys left, um, which we found out by basically calling all of them. And then it was like, OK, it. We've got to get this lady a turkey. Because you're, like, you're without <laughs> your, your yeah. centerpiece. Yeah. And yeah. she um, we were in. Like close contact with her. She never lost her cool, I have to say, to her immense credit. And then we ended up having to find a Whole Foods. I think that was the only place where we could and we could we were not able to find a heritage turkey. I think we found a um organic free range. Organic free range turkey from Whole Foods that was about forty five minutes away from where she lived. Whole Foods doesn't deliver. So then we had to figure out like a delivery service that would go to Whole Foods, pick it up along with so I think we ended up doing a gift basket from Whole Foods and then deliver this turkey. And I think it got to her, I want to say at like noon or 2 p.m. on Thanksgiving Day. And she was such a good sport about the whole thing. She took pictures of the turkey. She named it. I thought it was Madeline or yeah, something of that, that sort. Right. <laughs> and uh, anyway, it became like it was like a team victory. I feel like you could hear our screams of joy across the <laughs> across the land. Um, Lots when, of sweat that, and then screams. Yeah. But yeah. it was like. Basically, it kind of like ruined all of our Thanksgivings, and we were like, "We're um, we're not going to be in the fresh food business." <laughs> and, that, and that was the end. That was of the that. end. That was the end, <laughs> the end of Turkey Gate. Or the times two consecutive years in a row, we had to change the Black Friday sales plan on Black Friday. So, like most commerce businesses, much of our revenue comes during the holiday season, and so it's a very uh, it's a time that we spend basically all year planning for, and it's a really fun time. It's also super stressful, right? Because you need everything to go right. And the the real trigger for it is Black Friday. We are not a company that does a lot of sales and offers. And so that weekend where where customers are really looking for that kind of thing has always been a little um, – we, well, we've just put a lot of time into, like, making sure that we're not just, like, slashing our prices just to, like, do it because that's what the sort of norm is. But, like, really kind of come up with something that feels like a real – offer interesting or like original like right? added value added value yeah anyway so we've done different things um but it's still it's like at midnight after thanksgiving 
we're all on our computers. Everything is starting. Mm-hmm. And we have 24-hour customer service. Yes. We get sh- – everybody's on shifts. We're yes. full of tryptophan. I mean, we were up, <laughs> we're until, we were up until 4 in the morning um, two, two Thanksgivings ago mm-hmm. because we had a last-minute realization that we were not promoting things in a sort of aggressive enough way. Like, we weren't letting people know on any area of the site that, like – we had things going on. So we were up through the night trying to kind of fix that and address it. Last year, um, <laughs> we thought we were ready. And uh, so we used two services. One calculates our sales tax. It's called Avalara. And Avalara f- goes down. I think it was 9 a.m. 9 a.m. And Avalara is located in California, which means it's 6 a.m. there. And nobody's in Avalara's office. And we're not the only – I mean <laughs> – If you can believe it on Black Friday. Yes. There's there's no customer care. And people can't check out on our site. So, because it's just sort of hovering in this state of not being able to calculate sales tax, which means there's no total that comes up. And Yeah. And we're at this point – like, we're not in the office on, for, on Black Friday. But we're all online. But, you know, in we're all places. communicating remotely from around the country. Um you know, from our basically our, like an all day Skype calls. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like yeah. in your like in the room you grew up in, you know, try, on the bed. Trying in your footy to, pajamas. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, your so. parents dial up. <laughs> totally. Next you know, this year, we should just Facebook live it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, we figure out that we can just shut off the sales tax calculator and then figure it out and pay it later ourselves. In all the different states. Um, and Yeah, in, all, in yeah, 50 different states. Um, Avalar, they show up for work around nine-ish. <laughs> which is and, you were, and you were counting which is the minutes. Oh, yeah. for us. Oh, yeah. Um, we and, were tweeting at them. We were yeah, they were kind doing of like, everything we could eh, do. We'll work on it. So we just turned it off for all of Friday. Um, and then we, we didn't have confidence that they had it fixed. So Saturday, we were like, let's just let everyone know what's happening like make lemonade out of lemons and say, you know, we, there's nothing really we can do. Um, but the great news is it's no sales tax today. Either. We're in New Hampshire today. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, it actually felt like this weird, comforting thing to be able to, like, take what felt like a complete disaster and in some ways was and have this kind of, like, gift to our customers. So, so how, were, so how did sales end up being? Sales were – Incredible. Um, they were great. People and love they, paying no sales tax. The numbers <laughs> Shocker. are not very Shocker. high, but yes. the, the concept of not having to pay the government, I think people just get really yeah. excited about that. It, in a weird way, it's kind of like battle prep. Like we do have a meeting before um, Black Friday, before we leave for Thanksgiving, where we all get together and we talk about what could go wrong and how we would deal with it. And this is one thing that we hadn't really thought about. So like, that's going to be part of this year's prep. Is like, like, what if this goes down? What if that goes and down? It's sure to be something else. What if we have an interest? You know, what if we? <laughs> and that product review process I mentioned before—the one where we bring in all potential new products for our team to look at and feel and see if they like—that can get a little contentious too. There's a joke in the office that if I hate a product, it's sure to be a bestseller. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, just to name a couple. Um, of our best-selling products that some of which I still dislike, um, but some of which I've grown to actually love. There's a necklace that um, has a pendant that's in the shape of a whisk. Bestseller for three years straight. Yeah, Nigella Lawson I, asked us for one. I, <laughs> true fact. I tried to kill the whisk necklace um, before it launched and have probably tried to kill it several times since and have been 
uh, muffled out by sales. <laughs> or muffled the by sales. Want, the, the people want. That's what the people want. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's also the wreath. Yes. And then there's wreaths. And so wreaths are, you know, the thing you hang on your door, um, which um, I've learned that most of America hangs on their doors. And, <laughs> and you do too now. <laughs> and now I do too. <laughs> and I can't even explain my resistance to wreaths. I, I don't know. I, it just, yeah, I had a real visceral uh, response to the, the wreath, um, which I also tried to kill. And they flew um, off the instantly. So, yeah, so like of our top 10 best selling products ever, I think like two to three of them are wreaths. But the thing about the beauty of the wreath, too, I'm going to give the wreath a little credit now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Poor wreath. It has, yeah, well, um, it really opened up our minds to what the possibilities of the range of things that we could sell. Um, you know, it got us out of the kitchen more, which was super exciting. I mean, so, so did the whisk necklace. It was like, wait, what? We can sell jewelry? Yeah. We sell a lot of jewelry. Mm-hmm. We sell a lot of laundry products. We sell bed linens, and they sell really well. Kitchen is our top category. That's not a shock. But, you know, it made us um, realize that when it comes to selling people things, it's all about trust. And, and so a point if, of view. And yeah. And if they, mm-hmm. tr- if they trust your aesthetic and they trust that you're going to do a good job of getting them the product that they're going to give you money for, you can kind of sell them anything. And I don't think like we don't have any uh, aspirations to be like selling like ski boats or something but um <laughs> but you never cars. know <laughs> but you never know well i think it's interesting because i feel like that also gets at sort of why we wanted to to sell things from the beginning mm-hmm. or or have products as part of what we were doing and yeah. not just focus on recipes and articles about cooking techniques yeah because when we started the company we started it because we felt like there was a void Online, for sure, and probably just in general, um, there was there was no kind of brand that spoke to us as people who felt really passionate about not only cooking, but our homes and how sort of the things that we surrounded ourselves with and entertaining and all of these things are very intertwined and they're very much a part of people's personal identities. Yeah. The way they cook, the way they eat, the way they gather people around them, the way they, you know, live in their homes with their families. This, this is all part of, of who we are. And so I think that is actually why we have been able to not only sell products because we're we're sort of telling that whole story, um, which feels so natural rather than sort of separating out the recipes and the products, you know, going one place for recipes, one place for products, another place for, you know, information. And I also think it's what it's what's allowed us to move very seamlessly into not just kitchen products, but also the rest of the home. Yeah. Because the kitchen really is, you know, it's the heart of the home. It's sort of the gateway to the rest of your home. Yes. And so those borders that I think people tend to sometimes draw are arbitrary. They don't really exist. To tell that story, we thought we needed a name, something to communicate we were launching something new and different. After a no idea is a bad idea style brainstorm that included names like larder, poetic references to iceboxes and plums, and a whole slew of random food words with whatnot tacked on to the end of them, we landed on the name Provisions. And it's a name we stuck with for two years. But it didn't stick. I think we should just cut to the chase. We were wrong. Yeah. It was confusing. It happens. Although we were, we were spending energy trying to promote two different brands, and we realized that that is just a, a losing strategy. Yeah. At um, least it was for us. 
Yes, it was. Although I, you know, people still people still use still, it. They'll be like, know. "Oh, I got this thing on provisions," and every time they say, it, I kind of have like a little twitch. Like, you know, no, I'm like, no. oh, I got rid yeah. of that. Yeah, I know, and I don't want to correct them. It just it's like too complicated. But I figure it will slowly, it'll die a long, slow death, yeah. and um, and that's what happens. Um, it's also a nice thing because it means that they've been aware of our shop for for a long time. Yes, yes. So now it's called the Food Fifty Two Shop. So there's one huge part of the shop we haven't spent much time on yet, and that's the customer care team. The small but mighty crew of four who answer every question, calm down every angry shopper, occasionally surprise and delight, and also occasionally field questions on whether or not to refrigerate Caesar salad. That last one wasn't a joke. According to their inbox, the care team is part customer service, but also part IT, recipe development, advice box monitor, therapist, New York City real estate agency, and part pen pal. So while we know that our care team makes many people and their newly purchased gray cake stands happy every day, we thought it'd be more fun for you to hear a few of their all-time best, worst, and strangest write-ins. Here they are. Sometimes we'll get a user who's seen a recipe somewhere on our site, and they'll only remember a few ingredients, and they'll email us asking if we remember the recipe. Now, we have thousands of recipes on our site, and of course we don't remember every single one, but we'll try our best to help them. Here's a great example of one of those questions. I saw a recipe with eggs and blue claw crab. Any idea? We had a customer writing in with a question about an order that was late. And after we figured it out for him, he wrote on a more personal note, I'm sitting in an office staring through a hallway out a window at rows of other offices in an alley watching strangers so close I could toss my lunch at them. I'm feeling absolutely envious of who you work for. I make TV shows, but I love cooking more. And after that, we basically just geeked on food with him for a while. We were just really charmed by his tone and his enthusiasm. From time to time, our merchants will accidentally send out the wrong item for an order. And we had a woman write in who unintentionally but very beautifully sent us a kind of short poem. She wrote, a grill pen. This is not what I got. I got a round cacat, seven quart to eleven quart. Number 5282. Black. Not what I ordered. I want the flat grill pan. Double handles. In red. G-R-E-N-A-D-I-N-E. How do I return this pan that I have? I have no need for this pan. I want a grill pan as I'm a single person and cook a lot of fish. To grill inside is what I want to do. And sometimes we'll get questions from customers about where to move. Like, hi guys, I'm 76 and I've returned to Vermont after 40 years on the Upper West Side. Seems like most of you Food 52 people live in Brooklyn. So I was wondering if you could tell me in five words or less which Brooklyn neighborhoods my friend should consider moving to. Also, how much would she have to pay for a large studio or large bedroom at the threshold of acceptability for her and her boyfriend? I have no more time to waste on this and your cutesy little website. Dot, dot, dot. How many great cake stands are there? I bought a Caesar salad home from the restaurant. Where do I keep it until dinner? In the fridge or on the counter? Can't see what Rebecca looks like in the little photo. Sure, she's lovely, and if she looks like Riley Keough, all the better. Shortly thereafter, our correspondence stopped. 
It's officially our shop's third birthday this coming August 6th, so please come say hi. And before we sign off, I wanted to share a few words from one of our buyers, Jojo. I asked her what keeps her and her team moving forward every single day. Here's her words. The people keep the shop moving. The people and the products. We're in awe of the designers and artists who make the products we offer. Their passion for and dedication to their craft inspire us every day. And our community drives us. They challenge us to find products that will improve their lives. Finding them or dreaming them up is our reward. And that is it for this episode of Burnt Toast. Thanks to everyone it takes to run our shop every day, our head buyers and our whole shop team, our smart copywriters and email managers who are crucial in telling each product's story, our customer care team, our creative team, our hundreds of makers for their beautiful products. Thanks to our founders and this episode's guests, Amanda and Merrill, and thank you to each one of our customers. Thanks also to my producer, Kristen Meinzer, and to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Please let us know what you think of the show. Our Twitter handle is at Food52, or you can leave us a review on iTunes. I'm Kenzie Wilbur, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks so much for listening.